1: Welcome back, after buzzers. We are here doing Salem AfterBuzz TV After Show. We are doing episode 11 on Earth, as in hell. Not in heaven, as in hell. <laughs> I'm your host, Marissa Serafini. Joining me, I have...
2: Hey, guys. Bobby DeMuro, as always.
1: Yes, welcome back, Bobby. Welcome back, everybody who's listening. Thank you all for commenting, rating, all the fun stuff. Let's get into this episode. Seriously. What were your overall thoughts? Did you like... This episode, do you like the direction it's now heading into?
2: I like it better than last one. Let's be honest. Because stuff's starting to happen. I really like the start with Mary in the stocks. like The public shaming, the public humiliation goes right back to the pilot. Back in season one when things were great, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Really, really, really liked it. Um, There are things in this episode I think are a little weird. We'll talk about them. But But
1: overall... when, When is the show not
2: weird? Well, that's true. But overall, I think it was a pretty good episode. I like a lot of stuff that happened. I don't like John not being able to leave John Jr. alone in the circle whatever let's just get to that later overall yes pretty good we'll get into
1: it and yep. you know before we actually fully delve in i just want to take this quick moment to let everyone know please go to podcast1.com and fill out a very important important listener survey it's it allows us after Buzz, as a whole just realize podcasting what we can do to improve the demographics we can Talk to and communicate with, and just really build our network as a whole and podcasting in general, and learn all about and what you guys love and what we love and how we can correlate them together. So go there, quick out, quick three minute survey. I've done it; it's fun and it's really it helps us out here at AfterBuzz. So you just- said
2: bad things about me, right?
1: Yes, of course. Okay, good, yeah, course.
2: do that, do that all day. Okay. That's okay. the
1: the one place you do it. <laughs> good, yeah, yeah. No, no, but in all seriousness, please go there. It does help us out and help out podcasting in general. If you love our show, let us know. Fill out the survey. Let's get into it. Mary, she starts in the stocks, slash pillory. We'll call it stocks, right? Yeah that the the wooden thing lacked up what did you think of this do you think it's very deserved I love of what she went Oh no, and- it's
2: not deserved at all i mean they're all screwing around like what isaac said well, yeah. when he has that scene where he confronts them with with dead dolly by the way welcome back uh, sammy hendredy she was right she she was there still dead in- spirit
1: <laughs> no in, in physical but you know what i'm saying like she was dead. there in
2: in in she's not real it's not a mortal human thing anymore <laughs> yeah um was that really her or was it do you think there was cgi with a dummy body and makeup do you think that was actually her body?
1: I think for the close-ups, yeah.
2: As weird as that weird. sounds.
1: But, but Isaac dropping her. Well, not dropping her, but like putting her on the that's floor. That's what I was
2: wondering, because TV, more stuff is fake than people realize if you've never been on a production set with and stuff we like never this. had
1: a clear shot of her face, so yeah. it really could have been just a limp body that weighed maybe one pound and from afar, just dressed up.
2: Who uh, knows? And I only asked that because Sammy, when she was on this show you know, a month ago, mentioned she had a going-away party when her scenes wrapped and she mentioned the party was after the scene where the blood is being drained from her over the top and mm-hmm. she could have just been saying that not to give away these scenes but it made me think either they shot these scenes way in advance or she came back or she had the going away and she left and it's CGI plus makeup plus a dummy. I don't know. Now, is, is it important? No. no but just not. something I was thinking about and who knows. Um, what do we, okay. th- we
1: think of Isaac's scene... He, he got his moment
2: I love seeing Isaac and Mary I like seeing Mary the mortal more than, more than Mary the witch so Mary the one in the stocks Mary the one who has to deal with Hawthorne I like her a lot better than witch Mary as weird as that sounds
1: why do you think that is? Because, because she's more stripped down and vulnerable? yeah
2: and I and I think the supernatural has gone so far out in this show in a lot of cases that I just kind of almost gloss over a little bit I'm like not again not another overwrought overdramatic conversation between Mary and Von Marburg or whatever Yeah. And so regular mortal Mary, I mean, she'll never be immortal, but Mary in mortal situations. I'm like, hey, stocks, the public humiliation, even when Von Marburg came to the stocks and was talking to her and Isaac, I was like, okay, these scenes... moving something along and then isaac's awesome we like isaac we feel bad for him he stood up for himself today though good and it's
1: very good do you think that's a re- a redeemable moment for his character enough to say bye to isaac
2: you mean that he'll die next week
1: like is that his final last hurrah that's a good he, point his, that's, F- his character is over and done with
2: that's a good point i hope not but that is that would be a good swarm song for him that's a good it point it would be yeah
1: and that's what I thought might have happened in tonight because I was like, okay, he gets this moment. He's finally saying what's on his mind, what's always bothered him, redeeming in a way what's going to happen to him. Is he just going to up and leave, or are they going to kill him off in this episode? I was really afraid for Isaac.
2: He's alive as of now, though. But he also said he was ready to hang. So mm-hmm. Now, granted, maybe that's a red herring, and maybe the reverse psychology is when you're ready to hang, you become so... so threatening to them because you don't care anymore like what Mary's been doing the last couple episodes with her son. Uh, maybe when you don't care anymore, you win. I still think, I made this prediction a couple weeks ago, I think Isaac's the last man standing. I think that would be awesome and almost poetic. I'm going to hold to it.
1: And I thought his scene yelling calling everybody out was
2: poetic. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I'm, and I really to like one the one. call and response. Here's a good uh, we blow this production up a lot and it's deserved, let's be honest. But there's a couple good things they do. One of them was today, it was really specific and small but it was really big in the grand scheme of things. Isaac confronting Hawthorne in the church with Dolly's body. Him coming in. Most
1: religious place you could be.
2: Exactly. Him coming in yelling at Hawthorne, Hawthorne yelling back, and then all the cacophony of calls throughout the hall. I thought those were really well done. They weren't overdone, but they also weren't underdone. Mm-hmm. It would have missed something if Isaac was there and everybody went silent. And it was Isaac versus Hawthorne. But you had all these calls in the back of people yelling at him, you know, oh, whatever they were saying. They were saying specific stuff. But whatever it was, I really liked the sound of it and the look of it and this idea that there was almost a mob in a way. And that the town has turned against guys like this. And the town is with Hawthorne, which is a mistake. But the town seems to be with Hawthorne. And I really liked that they had those backing sounds dumb, but like backing vocals (laughs) to to Hawthorne and Isaac Sings. Absolutely. The acoustics of a church. It would have happened in real life. I know that's a really small observation, but I thought it sounded great. I thought it was really well done, really believable. I really liked it because that made that scene threatening to me. More powerful. That made it more powerful, and that made made me want to identify with Isaac. Don't hurt him. He's the good guy. We like Isaac because it's not just Hawthorne who's after him. The town, you feel like, is a about to close it's in.
1: closing in on yeah. him physically, yeah. let alone audibly. Um, yes, I completely agree. I thought it was a really good overall scene and really made Hawthorne stand out as an yeah. antagonist and Isaac stand out as a protagonist because we, the audience is still rooting for him. So... I didn't want him to die, we still haven't seen it but again, I'm afraid for what they're going to do to Isaac because we really don't know, hashtag poor Isaac alright, moving on, what do we think of this whole exorcism that went down with little John and the boys Okay. or I should say the men
2: so we just talked about what we like. Now let's talk about what we don't like. Uh, I like Cotton you, and John together. You didn't like it? No, I didn't like parts of it. The first thing I didn't like, and this is just a TV-wide thing, and it always gets done. And it's it it doesn't make me mad at the characters to keep watching. It makes me mad to stop watching. That's not a good thing. <laughs> is when John is told by Cotton multiple times, don't go in the circle, don't untie his ropes don't touch, you know, all this stuff. stuff?
1: Little frustrating things we know, like every horror story, don't go behind that door, you know?
2: All... all John has been doing this entire show is trying to fight witches and learn about witches. He lived patiently in the forest in exile when everybody thought he was dead, gearing up and doing his thing and we're still learning in flashbacks what he was actually doing. Right. But gearing up and doing his thing he came back and laid low because he wanted to still you know, be dead in terms of all intents and purposes for the town. He was patient, patient, patient. Now all of a sudden his kid is here who he had no emotional attachment to before and he mm-hmm. unconditionally loves him enough to just want to rescue him and take his his ropes off and stuff i don't buy that i don't buy john is not that dumb he's not that ignorant about witches and he doesn't have that much of an emotional attachment i understand it's his biological child or that's what he's being told but i've never bought that much of an emotional attachment from him at the very least he should be confused and want to make nice besides the fact that the kid has the demon, the devil inside him. Right. But it's like, John, you're smarter than this. There's no need and it doesn't make sense to have John immediately try to untie his rope, try to go in the circle. It doesn't make any sense to me.
1: I agree. And maybe to be a devil's advocate, not just sure. the fact that yes, John Alden is the father and we didn't get a lot of interaction between the two because they just the he just found out like last episode or two episodes ago now I'm losing track. That, yes, this little boy is now his biological son. We didn't get that enough interaction to get to that level like, oh, I should feel for him. But for him as a character in general, having killed a lot of people in his past, maybe it's to the point where this is affecting a kid. Just a kid. Remove the fact that little John is his son. Maybe it's just him in his conscience saying, this is a kid who's in trouble, who needs my help
2: i guess i mean i just i think that's a stretch this is a soldier a warrior a decorated you know veteran of war this is a guy who's seen some crap and done some crap and i understand the kid thing and i'm not saying he's heartless because he's certainly not because he's our leading man right so he can't be heartless We, we don't want that but i just don't it's just he's smarter than that tactically He wouldn't say, hey, this kid is possessed. We need to exercise this kid. Oh, his ropes are burning a little bit. Well, let's take them off. Let's
1: loosen them, which you know would lead down a path. Well, what do we think of Cotton in this scene? Cotton was the strong person.
2: Good. Because Cotton understands. He was
1: the strong, solid most consistent throughout this. Whole this thing. is
2: Cotton's been studying witches for two seasons. Yep. Cotton knows better than anybody. Better than John, and John knows a lot. Cotton knows better than anybody, so he came in at the right time. I'm glad that we averted that stupidity with the ropes coming off. I'm glad Cotton nope. caught him just in time. Uh, only dramatic. To have, you know, you know, like- have
1: to have that dramatic.
2: Uh, but, but that sort of stuff is just cheap and stupid to me because it's not John's character arc. That's not who John is. He's yeah, not right. the guy who does something like that. He's the guy who when Von Marburg tries to appeal to his emotions with kissing him, he's like, no, nah, I'm cool. No, thanks. Thanks. I'm after something else. He can reject her. He can reject physical advances, whatever else, you know, lust, whatever else you want to talk about. And those emotions don't get played on. But then immediately this child that he's just been told is his and has no idea and has no relationship, he's like, oh, my God, the ropes of the devil child are burning his wrist. We got to get him off. It's like, that's not John.
1: That's. That's not the little John. It
2: just, it doesn't either. make, yeah, that's it, not the real little John. It just doesn't make sense. I just think something like that to me is so it was glaring. Ca- it
1: was out of character. Aside yes. from the exorcism, and the
2: exorcism I'm okay with, it got a little weird, but I mean, like.
1: It did get, but that's the point with exorcism. The
2: definition of an exorcism is it has to get weird. Right. So, what,
1: how do you think they handled this, it executed this exorcism compared to all the movies and televisions that we've seen in the past with lots of exorcisms? What do you think? Did Salem do a good job Well, first off, executing it, it, I don't think
2: it worked. Did they, they didn't get all the way through it.
1: No. They got most of it out.
2: Yeah, but you got to do it all. It's but not- it's still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it, it
1: wasn't fully effective, but effective yeah. enough to make Little John more lucid. I more, get, or, or just
2: stop it at the Or, time. yeah,
1: get back to... He he's more aware of what happened, yeah, and, ma- of and maybe they wasn't.
2: understand the powers within him when he turns this way. Uh, the weird mm-hmm. thing about the exorcism was the way that they finished it. Was John Senior throws John Junior against the wall or whatever he hit? Well, you like, got to knock him out. You got to stop him. For, yeah, I guess you knock out the physical body is the point. But it's like, why would the devil stop if the body it's in is just thrown against a wall? You know, you'd have to kill the child to like have the devil stop, right? Probably, maybe I'm reading too much into it. If it's supernatural, like unconsciousness wouldn't connect in the same I way. Maybe think, I'm wrong.
1: I think it showed the audience it got to the point where older John still has the upper hand over this, and because there was the quick moment where little John was choking older John, thinking like, oh no, little John is going to win. But it shows that he, the little John, can still be controlled
0: mm-hmm. despite
1: how crazy and how possessed he is by the devil. That little John, the older John, sorry has still has the upper hand and has control. Okay And we'll win in the end.
2: I don't know if I'd go that far, but we'll save that for predictions.
1: We'll win in the end. <laughs> I'll say that. But I will say physically and visually how they edited it and all the different angles of the camera. I loved. Yeah, I thought it was... That like, was it, fantastic. There's,
2: the thing about the exorcism, it's one thing to have that weird supernatural w- witch sex with Wainwright, which totally jumped the shark with the stars. That was ridiculous.
1: I did love how they tied it back to Mary. Where did Raymite's body go? <laughs> was like, you're responsible for him. But it was it's totally... Put you in the socks.
2: That sex scene a couple episodes ago jumped the shark. Totally. And I think we all kind of agreed on that. Over people and over again. This, with an exorcism... It's not carte blanche to do whatever you want, but just short of whatever is cool, because it's a freaking exorcism. You can do a lot of stuff. And so what they did, I was like, okay, uh, I'll buy that. I'll take it.
1: Yeah, the flies. His head
2: going back and forth, the flies. flies, black pitch, all
1: the the negative connotations you could throw in with the devil. We just needed crows flying around. I think we got that, maybe. Yeah.
2: Like, stereotypical, sure, but I mean, you know, I thought it was okay.
1: we got the point. Yeah. um, That he's being influenced. By the devil. I just visually edited how they did it. Production standpoint was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um all right. I and I yes, going back to Cotton, he was amazing. What now Cotton now knows that Mary is a witch. Yeah. Are you surprised? This is what <laughs> bothered me during all this exorcism going down was now John literally took three minutes of the audience time rehashing information that the audience already knows. And I'm like, alright, you're stopping the story. We're finally progressing, we're finally going somewhere, but you're literally repeating itself again and again. We know... They could. This is a the moment that could easily did like a jump cut to the end of the scene, and be like, "All right, Cotton knows <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> Yeah, they could have, and,
1: and I mean, would have been fine
2: with and that. And you're absolutely right. But I also like that John explained it to Cotton word for word, so there is no question. We can never go back in two episodes and some weird thing and have Cotton do some weird thing and be like, "I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. Mary's a witch. What are you talking about?" You know, because that he is going to have that realization with Anne with very shortly because yeah. he doesn't know, and that is gonna be. And that's going to be a hell of a thing And I'm looking forward to it because we like Cotton and Anne And I cannot wait to see how this thing crashes and burns As much as I love them together But at least with Mary, the exposition for me Between John and Cotton was That's it, it's finished, everybody knows It's on the table, boom, let's go Now, now, finally This show started in April of last year (laughs) 15, 16 months later Let's finally finish the damn grand right
1: Yes, I completely (laughs) agree But if you think about it I mean, yes, we have two separate seasons, but if you put 13 and 13 together, you do get one full season, and that's what a lot of TV shows do with, that mm-hmm. are fully fleshed out in 22 to 24 episodes. You have that one big main story arc, and I guess the ground right was theirs. Yeah. So about time wrap it up.
2: This show... We'll talk about it later with ratings, because they're, they're... Yes, ugh. I do have ratings. Uh, this show would work... Would have worked very well as a mini series. This is true of a lot of TV shows. I don't know if we've talked about it on this after show before. It's true of a lot of television shows, if we're being honest. But this show would have worked well as like an eight or ten episode mini series. Like, like, think True Detective, something that's going to start and going to stop. And then mm-hmm. the next season of True Detective is a different story, but that's, that's high a different thing. Budget too. But yeah, it's a little bit different than this. But that idea that you have one storyline, it's going to start, and you already know when it's going to end, mm-hmm. regardless of how well or poorly it does. So it doesn't and drag out. You don't get this whole thing where you take, like we have with the Grand Rite, you take it through the first season, then you take it through the second, now maybe you take it through the third. Hopefully not. Whatever's going on with that, it should have been a miniseries. And then in a miniseries, if it's eight episodes, then you can go crazy. Then you can start having fun. Kill characters like crazy because there's only two episodes left. You and the great
1: with short episodes like you know, to go off for you is that the story will be constantly progressing. Yeah, we, You will always get somewhere because they're in a time crunch to move the story along, and that's why miniseries work.
2: Yeah, too many holding it, patterns it here. It keeps
1: the audience's attention because audience attention span is so limited now, which mm-hmm. is really sad, that they can encapsulate and, you know, it get grab people's attention for eight episodes, eight hours. That's it.
2: Are our attention spans limited or is there just a lot of crap out there? That's, that's, it's true. You know,
0: that's there's,
2: there's, a,
1: there's a lot of low quality crap out there yeah. that we have to just move on to something else. That's
2: yeah. worth quality. And obviously, I mean, a show like this, a lot of shows will never be miniseries because of the money. You know, you want to, like Salem did, if you can get renewed, you want to get renewed. Why would you not? It's work for actors, crew, cast, it's money for producers, you know, it's money for executive producers, networks. It's the business side of it. So right. if you cannot do a miniseries, of course you're going to come back. But artistically, you know, stylists I think the show like this would have been very good as a miniseries. It
1: would have been. Because you
2: could have gone crazy.
1: Drive the story forward. Yeah. Speaking of driving, does driving matter to you, Bobby? Yeah. There's over 4 million miles of road in the U.S. to find out. There's a lot of ground to cover, a lot of highways, freeways, wrong ways, long turns. I do. I'm very guilty of that. (laughs) They're all there waiting to be driven on. I've driven on a lot of them. So, do you take that left turn at Albuquerque, or do you just keep going? Do you wake up early Sunday morning for a drive before the traffic does? I might. (laughs) Or do you take the long, winding road home for a change? If driving matters to you, just get out and drive. Why? Because driving matters. Mazda. All right.
2: I think Cotton took that left turn at Amherst. Killed two guys. He might have, yeah. And then came back to Salem. That was a couple episodes ago. That was the first <laughs> yes. thing I thought when you thought left He turned turn. around. He did a U-turn. Exactly. Yeah. But a good U-turn. <laughs> oh, for sure.
1: A legal U-turn. <laughs> Listen,
2: man, him and Anne, let me ask you, because this has been bugging me, and we didn't talk about it, but we, I think, gave each other a look. Uh, Anne taking John Jr. at the very end of the episode, Ooh. something doesn't feel Right. No. And no. I don't mean John Jr.'s a creepo devil child. I mean something in a
1: feel right with Anne. Yeah. Because there there what, what did she say at the end? And in something inside all of us. There's something and that's what I've been saying. From day one when Anne had her powers. There's something inside of her because she's so much different than all the other witches. Is it a demon? Is it the devil? Remember. Something's inside of her.
2: Remember too. Anne gave Mary a pep talk this episode. Which the pep talk itself was done. Anne walked in. Mary's like beside herself crying. Anne's like, you can do it. And Mary is like, Okay, it was the weirdest pep talk. The
1: weirdest thing, and but, completely out of character for oh, e- and Mary. And <laughs> yeah, the
2: role reversal in a way was kind of cool, but the way it was done, it was so fast. No. I was like,
1: Ugh. I didn't like it. Yeah, um, but go on.
2: But that pep talk is important for this reason because now Anne knows everything about Mary and the kid. So when Anne saw the kid, it wasn't Anne like Cotton's wife, like, oh my god, this is a kid. We'll rescue the kid. This is the normal mortal child I've been hearing about. It was Anne the witch saying. You have the devil in you. You're the kid. I heard about you. There's something inside all of us. You know that's that's the Anne that is a little smarter and a little more shrewd. And we'll see how it works out for her. But at least she knows this story about John Junior. And when she went and met John Junior, she knows exactly who that kid is. And I got a weird feeling about this, and I don't know why.
1: I have a very bad feeling about this. You know, like Star Wars says. Um, <laughs> I had to. But it's also, I think it's when we saw the interaction between those two. Little John, the evil that's still lurking in Little John is now maybe recognizing the potential evil that's in Anne. And I think the audience saw that of Anne. Like, there's something inside. I I still think something evil lurks inside of Anne. Maybe it's the demon. Maybe it's a demon.
2: Wouldn't it be incredible in this...
1: I just want to be right.
2: (laughs) This is kind of prediction territory, but wouldn't it be incredible if Mary, because we saw this coming soon for next week, the teaser, if Mm -hmm. Mary is going to give up her powers, go to the Essex witches, and say, I don't want to be a witch anymore. Do you remember that? Yeah. What if Mary tries to go do that? Mary, the baddest one, the biggest, baddest witch in Salem, is like, I'm out. Get me out. And Anne, the quaint little, you know, nice child who, like, is a witch but doesn't get it, is the badass. Anne becomes the one who's like, no, no, no. The the, the grand right's mine. Oh. You know?
1: that. I mean, that'd be unfortunate for Anne, though, because I don't think her character is at that level yet. Is that a burden she wants to take on? Probably not.
2: Listen, the meek shall inherit the earth. Probably.
1: But <laughs> for Mary... Mary's so deep into all of this, she can't just go up to her own coven and be like, eh, I'm done.
2: She is going to try next week. I my
1: powers. No she, way. They're not going to let her get off the hook. You that saw the preview.
2: It. She is going to try next week. She's
1: going to try, but they are not going to let her off the
2: hook. I agree with you, but she it's is like, going yeah. to try. Even the fact that you she started is going to try, I, I'm 100% ended. with you. End it. I don't disagree. But you know how the show works. But I think
1: Anne, yes, I know. But I think <laughs> Anne, this might get into predictions territory. Anne's going to take over. Obviously, she's becoming the the more badass witch, and Mary's not. We see the diminishing of Mary and deterioration of her character and her powers. Anne's the one that's rising. You know, when one rises, the other falls. We're seeing the power shift. And in the show.
2: regarding power shifts, how do you think Tituba plays in? Haha, ha, just kidding. We haven't seen her in three we weeks. We did That's, uh, you know, Tituba disappears. Mercy disappears. Now we'll see Mercy back I'm next s- week. Know,
1: I'm still glad that we didn't see
2: Mercy. <laughs> or Tituba. Both?
1: More so Mercy. Really? You, you dislike Tituba.
2: I hate Tituba. I love I Mercy.
1: I can't stand Mercy. What? Because she's too, too far gone. Ugh. I can't root... For her if she does anything. It's like, I'm, I am don't know. I mentally check out when I see Mercy. Because really? she's so crazy, I can't believe her. Like,
2: I love her. Mercy and Increase Mather were holding this show together. He's gone. She's kind of gone. I need her to come back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on.
2: Uh, last thing, maybe, I guess, last big one probably is the, uh, Von Marburg and, and Sebastian.
1: Sebastian. Sebastian played a, a big role in this. Now I'm finding... I think the audience is now realizing why Sebastian is so bitter, especially yeah. towards little John, considering, yes, he was the one who was supposed to be the original sacrifice. That never happened.
2: Sebastian has a really punchable face, which is perfect <laughs> for the character he's playing. You know, you just want to punch him every just time you see him. It. He's such a jerk. He's kind of like Hawthorne, but not as much of like an over-the-top... Jerk, who you just want to die for revenge. Sebastian's like, "Ooh, I want to punch you in the face. I hate you so much." You know, like, and he also seems a little harmless, which I think why I think that. But he's not. We know he's not harmless. We know
1: he's he's full of information, and that's what makes yeah. him powerful. Knowledge is power. But physically, he's not there. He's not threatening.
2: He did push Wainwright.
1: Yeah. Thank into you. a pitch. Unfortunately, Rainwright was like literally on an island kind of like he didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> so he had the upper hand in that. But Sebastian, I'm realizing more for him. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say I felt for him but I know where he's coming from now. Yeah. And the fact why he's so involved in this one because he was originally in that position. He's not anymore. He doesn't want to help Little John but anyway he does. Yeah. So I am I just question his his character now. is he good? Is he bad? Is he switching sides? Because we still see him struggling with contests.
2: I don't really have any thoughts on him either way. I can't read him well enough to know. Exactly. That's my know. point. I can't read him. He's he's weird. And that's the point. We shouldn't be able to read him, I think, at this point. Um, it's but tough to predict stuff. But maybe that's good.
1: That yeah, no, he's such a mystery. We don't know. Yeah,
2: I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just don't really have thoughts about him either way. I don't like him. I'm not supposed to like him. I don't think we're supposed to like him. He's mm-hmm. obviously against Mary. Maybe that will change, though. We'll see.
1: Okay. What do we think of Contest in tonight's episode? Uh, Still kissing people, which... I think we're I'm realizing why she's kissing people it's the only way she can track people and where they've been. Oh yeah, of course,
2: yeah, the memories. It's, yeah, it's That's what she all gets. tracking memories. So we see that I think with-
1: visually maybe I'm just slow this was my personal thing. Maybe <laughs> I was just slow to realize that fact. Well, because with the editing tonight it's like every time she was kissing we were getting flashbacks of people's past and I was like okay now I get why she does she she just kisses people well yeah. nilly no, but it's to track their where they've been where they're heading to
2: yeah the woman the Indian woman that she kissed and then snapped her neck and killed her dad or whoever that was husband yeah. whatever it was uh, Countess von Marburg had the quote of the day tonight uh, talking to Sebastian and Sebastian was saying how much he likes Mary is inter- into Mary Countess says, quote, do not fixate, it shows a damnable lack of imagination. That's a good quote. Mm. That's a good quote for all of you out there. I like it. Do not fixate, it shows a damnable lack of imagination. But Someone photoshopped
1: that. <laughs>
2: yes, <yeah>, seriously. <laughs> That's our quote of the week. But obviously, that also reflects how threatened Von Marburg is by Mary. And vice versa, we know Mary is too. But when Sebastian keeps talking about Mary and is interested in Mary, you know Von Marburg is like, let's put the brakes on that. You know, I can't have you two doing whatever around each Mm -hmm. other because I can't risk an alliance, especially as we've learned later, Sebastian feels so abandoned by Von Marburg and so unloved.
1: And that's where the difference lies between Contest and Mary in this whole grand right that Mary actually unconditionally loves her son whereas Countess didn't love Sebastian.
2: I'm still having trouble believing it. but I'm having
1: trouble believing it, too.
2: That's what we're getting the told, fact, so we got to yes, take it.
1: But the fact that they're relaying that there is an actual mother-to-son unconditional love that that one parent should have towards their child, yeah, that makes it all the more emotional, more deep and real in why Mary's so conflicted with this ground right compared to why Countess is just a straight-up sociopath and willing to kill her own son for the ground right. Yeah. And that's the I difference. And who do you think would win out of all that?
2: I still don't know. I still don't have a feel. I don't understand how the grand rite is going to go down. I think next week, well, maybe not. I hope next week shows us a lot with this thing. I hope something huge happens next week. I guess we'll see.
1: All right. One more thing. Yes. Why do you think they constantly told the bells? Usually you told bells during mourning and death
2: tolling the bells in which scene? There was scene.
1: the very beginning when yes. Mary's in the stacks, so you hear the bells tolling. Do you <sighs> think it was because they were supposed to kill Mary, but then she got released? I don't uh, think, don't so. I think it was. Just, but there was a lot of bell tolling in there, nice I guess
2: my initial reaction is the simplest, and this might sound dumb, but you know, we're talking about me here. Um, I think it was just to announce to people, come out onto the town square. Right. You know, It was like a Fire alarm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, Look, something is happening in our yeah, town.
2: I didn't I didn't read them metaphorically. Maybe they are, for sure. I mean, there are obviously reasons you would use them, and that's a good point. But I didn't even notice them, first off. So I'm trying to rack my brain and be like, oh, the <laughs> bells. And now I'm just looking at the most logical perspective. And I'm like, oh, they just wanted people to come out and throw lettuce at Mary's face.
1: I, that's yeah, normal. I think that just throw, throws me off because I personally grew up literally two blocks away from our town church. And every time I heard the bells toll, I immediately associated it with mourning and death.
2: Well, that sounds like a personal problem.
1: Yeah, but that's <laughs> that's how I grew up. So, all right. No, you're I just I, I had to I had to ask, and <laughs> also we did get the the a lot of there's a lot of references back to Catholicism, back to the Old Testament. We had the whole... Sebastian talking about Abraham and Isaac. And then the whole exorcism itself.
2: let's be honest about that. You can't
1: even say the word heaven.
2: Yeah.
1: Very religious. And back back then, you know, exorcism... To perform a proper exorcism, you have to get the proper authority and permission from the church, from the Vatican.
2: So they're not performing a proper exorcism.
1: No, they're just performing it in...
2: They're performing a backwoods exorcism, and I don't know if it's going to work, and, and the you, first try didn't.
1: And you got to remember, the, back then in the 1600s, we were still, in a way, connected to Britain, but not. So this is when America itself is just trying to find their independence, already separating themselves from the church from the state.
2: Mm-hmm. The Anglican church. But yeah, yeah, the Anglican church.
1: So yeah. there, there's just a lot of social... Things conflicting with the show as well then it forces me to realize what's going on mm-hmm. during that time I thought it was interesting all right I do have a little bit of news in yeah.
0: News.
1: so we keep mentioning ratings and whatnot but in questioning if there's gonna be a season three you and I both unfortunately don't think there is. But looking at the numbers, viewership of this show, it's it's fairly low. I mean, remember it, it ain't is good. it is on WGN. It's a smaller network, um, smaller cable network. But last week's episode, "Till Death Do Us Part," there was only 0.28 out of a million. So only 280,000 viewers watched this show. Whew. That's very low, and unfortunately, from the past, from this whole season, and we started with "Cry Havoc," the premiere of the season. But 0. 0.51, so half a million.
2: So we went from 510,000 to 280,000. 200.
1: It's unfortunately slowly decreasing every week. Going off these numbers, do you think there will be a season 3?
2: I was thinking about this. Uh, first off, we got a comment on YouTube that we shouldn't start rumors. We're not starting rumors. We're speculating this opinion. No, we're in speculating. Um, and we made that very clear last time we talked about this. This is not a rumor. Uh, there's two things that I think are important to think here. A, The numbers are not good. Yep. But you have to put those in context with the network. WGN does not do scripted shows. They do this and they do Manhattan, which you and I recap and is awesome.
1: I'm excited <laughs> god, for I it. God, I hope Manhattan doesn't I'm take I'm so excited it. I hope for Manhattan
2: it. Does not take a season two left turn because, oh my god, Ooh. that show is phenomenal. Uh, because they only do two scripted series, they can either do one of two things. They can say, you know what, we tried it with the scripted series, let's go back to run and reruns of Friends or whatever else they do in syndication. Or they could say, let's double down with a New scripted series, which costs a lot of money, or they could say, "Hey, if we've already got money into Salem, let's do season 3 The numbers may not be great, but if they're good enough, we can still make way with season three. And I think because of the network they're on, that there may not be a lot of competition with other new scripted shows on WGN. Right. It could still get a season three. The question is, uh, how? I can't we'll imagine it hold another up ten for or a season or three. Absolutely, will it hold up for a
1: season four if they do a season okay. three?
2: Don't even ask that. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> Absolutely not. I think because we're all thinking of it. There's, not a, there's just not enough of a storyline. Something would have to drastically change. You'd have to totally take a left turn. And then you're really taking a risk because if the left turn doesn't work, Forget it. You know, yeah. Call it, my it I, I'd be really surprised. Could it get a season three? Still, sure. I mean, considering the network that it's on, the number of scripted series they have, which is two, the number of stuff they're demographic. Announced, their demographic. The number of stuff they've announced in development, which to my knowledge right now is nothing new. It's just yeah. these two. Repeat. Uh, I, I could see a season three, I guess. But as far as the numbers go alone, if this was on a TNT or something, forget about it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Interesting. All right, and then Ashley Madewey, who you know. Place to the bus. She had an interesting interview on Huffington Post. Definitely check it out. HuffingtonPost.com. Look up Ashley Madefay. She says um, she finds it very difficult to get the chance to play lead roles of women in color. Okay, so, which I I agree in Hollywood I, as a I whole. I feel like a lot of women have yeah, said that recently. Yeah, but she she says um, during a and A that she, I can't. And I quote, I can't tell you how many times I've read a script and I'm the sidekick or the friend or where I think I'm going to have a great part and I end up just being the sidekick.
2: Sounds like Salem.
1: I think that's true. And she says, I think I'm lucky in Salem. I have great stuff to do. But even then, I will challenge the writers and say, listen, it's been two episodes and I've just been holding a candle next to Mary. Which is very true. Because we keep saying that Her character, Tituba, is just there as the person who stops Mary. Mary's is still the protagonist, not Tituba.
2: It's tough, though, because I hear what she's saying. In a normal show, in a time period today or something, she'd have a legitimate complaint to say, wait a second. Mm -hmm. She has to remember the time period. In this time period, Tituba was a slave in real life. Tituba was a real person. She was a servant. She was a slave. So... She, you know, she knew the role she was going up for. Yeah, that's the one thing. And, and I guess you could say, well, in the supernatural realm, Tituba could have taken on a bigger role for sure. We haven't seen Tituba the supernatural witch in three episodes or whatever. That's a legit gripe. But holding a candle next to Mary, I'm, th- I'm hearing that and I'm like, well, yeah, but the slave portion of Tituba, even in this show in Salem, that's what you would have done. You know, supernatural portion we can debate that. I don't care for Ashley Madekwe's portrayal in this thing. Let you know, mm-hmm. uh, apart from this, I just don't care for the character of Tituba. So yeah.
1: But to bring it back to present time now, being 2015, she says TV is conquering diversity more in film than uh, you know than also television, and she said television is all about trends. Because a few years ago, vampires were a big trend. Mm-hmm. Good lord, and then, but also diversity itself, and it, as a general broad topic, is becoming more of a trend. And she's a big fan of, uh, you know, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, you know, the shows that strongly portray black females uh, or African American females, and that's you know, put them on a platform and be strong, strong leads, and that's what she is really um, excited for. That there are bigger, better roles now available to her that she's trying to, um, you know, just encourage in ways. Like
2: hey, listen, man, I'm all for it. Anytime you can take, like, white men who have had it really good, and this is coming from a white guy, <laughs> anytime you can take white men who've had it really good for a long time in every realm and give them a little bit of competition on roles and characters and this sort of stuff, do it. Yeah. It's never a bad thing.
1: Yeah, and she said these characters, they are real women, like real... Yeah portraying as real. Of course, a lot of women. that is
2: Shonda so, Rhimes, who's kind of in a class by herself. Love so, Shonda. So, let's see that from some other writers, producers. Let's see how that works with people yeah. not named Shonda Rhimes, because she's done this. She's sort of carried the water on this for a long time.
1: But she's saying diversity is selling as a trend, yeah. and but it's allowing more opportunities for her and other women who are ethnically diverse like her. So, good for her, though. It's, like, it's a very interesting article. Again, that's HuffingtonPost.com. Check it out. All right, let's get to predictions.
2: Absolutely. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. Bobby. Oh, God. Uh, Every time. Okay, well, we know Mercy comes back next week based on the previews. Um, I'm going to say...
1: <sighs> what is she going to add? Is she going to be the crazy one that takes over the Grand Rite?
2: We saw Tid above very quickly in those previews, too. So she'll be coming back next week yeah. on some level. Um,
1: it's all coming to a head.
2: You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to say that the Grand Rite is going to get completed by Anne Hale. That she's going to sell her soul. I mean, she already has. Oh, but she's going to sell down the way. <laughs> that Mary is going to try to get out of this. And you know what? It's too good. Because I'm frustrated with this show, I'm going to say, Marissa... I think Mary will get out of being a witch next week, as freaking ridiculous as that sounds.
1: I think the only way they can get she can get out of being a witch is they straight up kill her. Mm-mm. They're not going to let her leave like that. True be like, men. okay, you her, like I resign from in being love. a witch. Consider this my resignation. I'm giving you literally two weeks' notice because in two weeks the show will be over.
2: They're going to sign. She's going to sign an NDA, and she's going to go along. I'm surprised she way. hasn't
1: already signed an NDA as a witch. As a witch, <laughs> so scroll with blood, rip it up.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm going to say that. I say Ann Hale completes the grand rite and as I don't want this to happen, but I'm going to predict it. Mary, in some way, gets out of the Essex Witch clan.
1: How? My question is just how. Maybe, if that does happen, I would love to see how they execute that.
2: I would, too. I want to see if they have I think
1: a- she's so far into it. The Essex Witch, we know they're they, they are strong coven. They're not going to let her just walk away.
2: I agree with you, but I'm and just something saying... Something has to go down. I
1: was she trade in someone else's soul? Or, like, we need X, Y, and Z people. In order to leave, you have to give us these people. Interesting. Like a trade off.
2: Yeah. Give us your son. I know that's not a popular prediction. I don't want it to happen. I'm just saying I, I, I have, have a feeling next week this the wheel's going to be put in to motion. to finish
1: the ground right, what do you think that would do with Cotton? Because oh, Cotton now finds out. Uh, for sure. In, in I the think, preview, we see Cotton finding out think, using the mask. And
2: I think that's this is why we do it. Because we have two parallel love stories that have gone on at different times. Anne and John, or Mary and John, the original, the best one, we liked them together early on. They were forbidden love. We wanted them to get together. Anne and Cotton, we love them. It's not normal. It's weird, it never should have worked from the start, she put a damn spell on him. I think that when Anne completes the Grand Rite, and when Mary gets out of it, we lose this cute Anne and Cotton thing that we like, that's weird, but we like it. She's we lose gonna, that. It's gonna go shit crazy. But we get the regular major love story, and Anne and, er, Anne, and Mary and John happily ever after, as happily as they can be considering what's been going on and maybe John Jr.'s thrown in and they ride off into the sunset Mm. and Cotton starts drinking again and Gloriana returns and Anne goes in the Grand Rite and the world ends. So
1: So you're saying if there was to be one happy ending it would be Mary John and Little John. I think so. Because we did see the quick moment when Little John was fairly lucid. He could potentially just be a normal kid.
2: I just think that would put a little bow on it and wrap it all up. And that'll happen over the next couple of weeks.
1: <sighs> see, the thing is, I love Anne. Season 3
2: she's or not, too, I think that's going to happen. She's
1: too good to be evil. And I, I would hate to see her go evil, but I think you might be right. I'm telling she, you. I don't know if she would finish the ground right. But I think she's definitely, something's going to happen for her to, like, switch. Just, like, just... Boom. All right. What dark path is she's going down? Um, what do you yeah. got? It's going somewhere. I, I More so along the lines, Cotton's going to find out. I, I don't know oh, if, sure. if Cotton's going to leave her, though. I hope not. And that maybe that would spark Anne to go crazy and...
2: Or Cotton becomes a witch.
1: No. <laughs> Then if that happens, I'm done.
2: <laughs> that would be <laughs>
1: I will walk out if that happens. Like what's the point of his character? <laughs> Alright. Thank you Bobby for joining me. For sure. Thank you everyone who's been reading and commenting all of our you know, YouTube live chat, all that fun stuff. Bobby Rick and everyone keep following you.
2: Uh Twitter at Bobby DeMuro or Instagram at Mr Bobby DeMuro
1: you can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV you can follow all of us here on Twitter at, at Afterbuzz TV, Facebook Instagram all those fun places Keep rating keep commenting, keep watching the show. It's almost over. We'll see where it goes and we will see you next week.
0: From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek and the entire Afterbuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the Afterbuzz TV network.